0: Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hey, welcome to this episode, which is part two of my conversation with Sally Hardy on healing your nervous system so that you can show up more powerfully and authentically in your marketing and selling. So we hope you enjoyed part one. That was last week. If you haven't caught that yet, go ahead and check it out. Today, you're going to hear from the second part of the conversation where we talk about things like where and how, quote unquote, buffering can actually be good for you and how to use it for yourself. So go ahead and eat those cookies. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how to how to find out what your body needs and how to actually give it to yourself and how to stop being afraid of disapproval because it has everything to do with your nervous system. And hint, hint, the answer is not just change your thoughts, right? How to make your success sustainable. We're going to talk about how to de-trigger doing reviews and evaluations, because that's a huge thing that comes up with me and my clients where people just feel averse to doing any kind of review of what they've done, evaluations of their projects and goals, and how to move past that so you can actually use your past experiences for learning. Sally is going to share some brilliant, very quick and accessible practices that actually work to calm your nervous system. And we're going to talk about how taking care of your body and doing it skillfully is the key to the kind of authenticity that truly unlocks your business's potential. So enjoy the rest of this conversation. Here's part two with Sally Hardy.
1: You spoke a few weeks ago to Bren and she was talking about some of the elements of, you had a conversation about buffering, Mm. about recovery from central nervous system buffering. And you were like, oh, eating or you know all the kind of the other things that people do and that can help soothe you and I wanted to reiterate that actually this thing that we call
0: podcast episode from actually don't know exactly when it's going to air but it's the episode with Bryn Bamber I forget what it was called the title of it something about (laughs) nervousness it was the one with Bryn okay (laughs) it was I really enjoyed it it was really good
1: yeah and what I wanted to say was that exactly what you're talking about, the kind of the weaponizing versus the the nourishing and the soothing is that at this point of awareness that you are in a stress response, because you are aware, you can take all of those things that you would use as buffering and use them intentionally and have a totally different response. So So if you are...
0: That for as examples, what Sally's talking about is things that (laughs) can easily be villainized in the right in the life coach world, such as just mindlessly watching Netflix or mindlessly eating cookies or whatever it is, all the things that we say, oh, you're not supposed to do those things to avoid your emotions. We're saying, and I, I happen to agree emphatically with Sally, it's you can still sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It, that can be a f- genuine form of self-soothing and self-nourishing and self-healing, but and and, and the different difference between whether you're using that to further get away from yourself or whether you're using that to actually tend to and care for yourself yeah. depends on how would you put it? I I think it's your awareness of where you like it, yes, because I was gonna say intention, but it's not even really not it's not even really intention. It's it's your awareness. And Your your relationship
1: to yourself as you're having that experience, yeah. right? And there, so yes, I would say that the, the, the very first step is awareness that this yeah. is happening and awareness that this is a neurological thing. Mm. This is not a forward thing. This is a neurological thing. It is not your fault. You, nothing is going to stop this once it has happened. So once your amygdala has decided you're under threat, It's a done deal. Like it is not your fault. It is neurological, and I think that helps with my next step, which is radical self acceptance. Like radical is in capitals and underlined like fifteen times. Anything sink into your body and listen to what it is asking you for. Is it asking you for? Space and being outside? Is it asking you for a bath? Is it asking you for Netflix? Is it a, what is it asking you for? Is it asking you to not post on social media for a couple of weeks? Mine often asks me for that. <laughs> Full transparency. Is it when I go too far out? I was talking about the walking with a dog. If I go too far out without coming back into safety, my nervous system just goes, no, fine. If you're not providing us with safety, with your you know, with how you're doing things from your conscious mind, then I'm gonna take over and I'm going to enforce safety. I'm gonna make you feel like ass. So you're not able to do all of those things. I'm gonna burn you out so that I'm gonna burn you, you out. Need to, you well, need burn out to recover instead of yeah. Yeah, burnout, I think what burnout happens when we try to use that 4% to control the 96%, that 4% prefrontal cortex, when our 96% is in control, if we continue to use the thought work and it's not working, you can almost feel your forehead getting hot. (laughs) That's back to what you're talking about, like kind of the weaponizing of, of, um, of thought work. So once you have radically accepted you know, I'm narky with my husband. Not that I'm ever narky with my husband, of course. I'm narky with my husband. I'm wanting to do this, and I just I'm feeling very demanding. And I think just yes, and that's okay, and that's okay. This is my mantra for that time, and that's okay. That's fine. That's this is okay. Accepting that leads you to be able to hear what your body is saying. And there are going to be a whole dose of people out there that go, well, I don't have any connection. I don't. I don't know well, what my body's saying or why it's saying it. Or, or, you know, if it is saying anything, and that's just not the truth, because if I were to ask you a question, I would like to come over to your house. I would like you to invite all of your family members, and I would like you to do a naked dance in front of all of them. Like, no, (laughs) you will have a reaction to that, right? Maybe it's a yes. Maybe it's a no, but your body is going to tell you not just your brain, your body is going to be like, whew.
0: I love there that will so be much
1: physiological response.
0: I think I've heard so many coaches, not just humans. I have so many humans when, when asked what, what would help or, or what does your body need or give yourself what you need? And you're like, I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to raise my hand here. I often, my brain often says that too. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like crap. I don't know. I just want to, I don't know. But then you're saying, yeah, you do right? And you might have to kind of do that game of like, I don't know what that game is called. It's like warmer, colder, right? Like, does this feel more like, right? (laughs) Marco Polo. (laughs) Marco right. Exactly. Yeah. You might have to play that game with yourself. So having like 13 people come over to your house and you doing a naked dance for them that might be like oh cold cold right so then okay so then is it is it is it do you need to be alone or do you need to be with one person who you really trust um would it help to have i don't know like have a blanket around you would would it help to have music or would it help to go outside instead and you have to keep trusting that you know And you might not have the perfect answer, like far from fall from a a rainbow in the sky right into your lap that has the exact instructions, but you have to begin to you have to begin the process of getting to know yourself. Like, you know, I spoke in the mastermind recently about sort of writing your own own owner's manual, right? Like you will, and that's sort of like your own knowledge of how to operate the wonderful machinery that is you. And it's gonna be hard to Create a body of knowledge around how to take care of yourself. If you have too much trust, when your brain says, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know what I want, I don't know what's going to help," right? Well, like, what if you did know? I think that's that's so good. Like, play Marco Polo, feel into it. Have a hypothesis for what might
1: help, and go test it. Yeah. Right? And I think it, that's a, that's a beautiful way of doing it, and keeping track of that as well. What worked before? Yeah. what made me feel good before yeah. so that it's not like, well, what do you need? What do you want? Open-ended. It's like, well, if I had these three different options, which one do I want? You know? So you have like a compass, like you're creating a compass of trust. Yes. But one of the reasons why marketing is so triggering in there, I mean, there are lots of different processes that you can, you can process the feeling and you know, I could talk for years about that. But one of the reasons that it is so challenging for people in the modern world to hear what their body is saying is because at a very young age, so there are two things that a baby needs to survive. There's attachment and authenticity, where authenticity means this embodiment, mind to body. So you can read the language of your body. You can understand the language. You're fluent, as you say, in your central nervous system. An animal walking through the jungle, if it, if the hackles on the back of its neck go up, And it doesn't pay attention to that, it's not going to last long. We are creatures, we are animals, and we have a prefrontal cortex. The attachment is an easier bias to have as a baby. So when you're little tiny babies, we've got all these mirror neurons in our head, in our brain, and they run all the way through our brain. When our primary caregiver looks at us and with a smile, with a whatever, our brain replicates that in our head and we can read the fact that that is a good feeling, we are safe. If they detach or disassociate from us, if we are, feel like we've been abandoned in any way, if that care, that love, that you know, to, our, to an infant's mind, that survival is withdrawn, we panic. And we, if you like, if we have attachment on one side and authenticity on the other, knowing that we need both, we will always bias towards attachment, attachment to yeah. a primary caregiver and away from authenticity of self. Because if you're not approving of me, I don't get this then one. it's bound to be something to do with me. So mm-hmm. I need to change me to please you so that I will survive. And in cases where there have been a lot of trauma or even less trauma, but traumatic situations... So it doesn't have to be a huge amount. We learn this strategy, kill self, survive with other. And it's kind of, like, so now in your marketing, in joyful marketing, the authentic, people are like, well, I haven't felt that since I was like two weeks old. So what the hell? And to re-engage with self means potentially a lack of attachment to others, people disapproving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How to let people be wrong about you. God, but that's just God, so painful. Mm-hmm. It's literally painful. Mm-hmm. Not like imagined painful. It's actually neurologically painful. And we don't give ourselves it's any. Not it. It's right. not just your thoughts. It's not just your yeah. thoughts. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. But once you've completed these cycles and knowing all of it, and I'm sorry, I know I've thrown, you know, a lot of stuff in here today, but once you have completed these cycles, once you've completed the circuit, if you like, of that, of that trigger, of that stress response, then you can do the thought work to see if it was an error that got you in that situation to begin with, as in, I, I no longer need to be scared of disapproving people. I can begin a new practice of trying that out, seeing how it goes, like the garbage challenge. I can practice in little steps, little steps, little steps. I can push the limit and come back to safety because I'm recovering. I trust myself to recover. I'm now embodied. Because the key to life in a modern world is, in in my mind, is to personally define your success and then achieve it sustainably. So throwing yourself under a bus isn't -hmm. isn't the way forward. But given we're all going to have stress, Sustainability through the stress cycle is achieved through embodiment, through feeling it, through accepting our brain has a neurological response because we are an animal. Our body requires to process that response so that we can come back to our personal equilibrium. And when we are there, we can make a decision about what we want to do next time. We can understand that there's a hazard. How close do we want to get to it? Well, maybe there's no hazard. Maybe that's a thought error. There is no hazard. And we can begin to work on thoughts that get in front of our central nervous system's reaction.
0: So I coach my clients a lot on sort of their fear of and aversion to doing evaluations. And I think evaluations can It's the exact same thing we were talking about before about thought work. Like you can use evaluations and sort of like review of what you've, you know, of of your, the project or the month before or whatever, you can very much use that as a weapon against yourself when you are not embodying, right? When you're not allowing the stress response to, to be processed and to be cycled through. Hold on. I had a point to make with this. And I was like, I forget what the second part is. Um, oh right, sure, right, right. So, so, so if you, if you've heard that, you know, evaluating your progress is important and you have to learn from what's happened. And if you, if you have a resistance to that, right. And if just the idea I, I've spoken to many clients who literally told me, like, I just like everything about evaluation, my body resisted before I got coached by you. And before we did this work together. Right. And yeah. they couldn't understand why, like, it's so important. Everybody else is evaluating. Why aren't I evaluating? Right. And I want everybody to know, if you feel that way, if you if you feel like evaluation just feels like punishment, right? And nothing about it feels good to you. It's probably a sign. First of all, it's it's not you. It's not a character defect. It's not that you're doing it wrong. It's not any of these things. It's that your body might not be complete in feeling some yeah. of the emotions that it just wants to be that, that it just wants you to feel um yeah it and, wants to be soothed first Yeah. before we go to, into the next round let's be soothed yes. from the first one and i promise you if you allow yourself to be soothed if you allow if you allow yourself to do that work of you know you, you got to try to figure out where your safety is and how to do that thing that sally's dog does of of touching base with with where the place where you actually feel taken care of and nourished and safe, I promise you, you are going to want to look at, you're going to want to evaluate. You're going to want to do thought work because we all have the, the capacity to be immensely curious. I mean, every single life coach I know is an immensely curious person, right? And the only reason that your curiosity might be shut down is has nothing to do with you. It's just that your, your wiring isn't, allowing that exploration because it has a more important priority for you, which is to complete the stress cycle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) I could go on for days, but I I think it's important to, I believe that that safety Mm. is embodiment. Yeah, I agree. So when you've got your head and your heart lined up in conversation and partnership with each other, when you've got a fully, (sighs) When you have a team, when your body is a team, then you can move forward because you trust yourself. Okay. So how do you do that? Well, that's what we were saying. You know, like I, I, my body has nothing to say. Well, ask it questions. Okay. So do, it's,
0: it's that it's not like okay first you do this and second you do that. It's like, well, I think
1: also it's yeah. it is it's you know people use this phrase over overthinking like there's a problem I'm overthinking it. And I prefer to use it in the sense that we overthink our feelings. Mm -hmm. So we are thinking over what our body is going Mm -hmm. through. So if we hit a wall, we never just hit a wall. There were all of these body signs and symptoms coming up and we chose to ignore them. Mm. And you can simply make a decision to not ignore them. Just that attachment and authenticity. And attachment doesn't have to be to another person, although we can... You know, being in front of another central nervous system can be hugely regulating. Is hugely regulating. It's one of the reasons that that I'm able to create the safety with my clients that I am. Is that I have it within myself. So when clients are with me, there is a, a there is a fully regulated central nervous system on this side. Yeah, yeah. And so they can just let theirs kind of calm.
0: Yeah,
1: I've totally lost track of where I was going there. Oh, attachment. Right. Attachment doesn't have to be to another person. It can be to a dog, it can be to a plant, it can be to a favorite pen, anything that gives you joy. Surround yourself with things that give you joy. And when you're in that recovered space, decorate the inside of your brain with thoughts that give you joy. Mm. If you think of it like cognitive interior design, where do you want to live? You're in your head the whole time. What what movies do you want to watch? Do you want to watch those movies where you're driving a car off a cliff? Okay. You know, sometimes brain doesn't know the difference.
0: When I'm in when I'm feeling tender, the word joy even could be triggering for me because I'm like I don't know what the fuck joy is, right? Like <laughs> it, it could feel right, but, like but when you're in your off, stress but, response, yeah, you're not yeah. going to be able to find joy. Exactly. So so I sometimes, you know, if if you feel like sometimes joy could be could feel like could feel like it eh, other than that. It could feel like a reach, then you could ask yourself, "Okay, what would feel what would make me feel safe? What would make me feel you know, nourished, right? What would feel comforting to me? What would be calming? And so I'm just saying this because it's just my brain, but my brain used to always want to make it very like fancy and highfalutin, like, oh, to, to relax my nervous system, I should do an hour of yoga or like, I should be, I was, I should sit and meditate in silence, like a Tibetan monk, you know, if that's what I should do to and And so I made, I always even made like like nurturing my nervous system into like this project, this like self-improvement project, or like I should do it via exercise. That's stressful for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so no wonder I was miserable for so long. And then at some point, I don't remember who's like one of the coaches that I've had gave me permission to not have to make that like noble sounding, not have to make that another self-improvement project. And since then I've been very I've learned how to be incredibly indulgent with myself, right? It's like Well, it just, what if it just looks like, you know, just like spreading out on my bed and just breathing (laughs) and it doesn't have to look, I'm not meditating. I'm not trying to have fancy enlightened Zen thoughts. Like I'm not doing yoga. I'm not exercising. I am just being, or I I ask my husband for some cuddles or it just can be like, nothing about it needs to be fancy. Like, you know, again, what would, what would feel better? Make it a primal thing like you're a baby
1: if you're a baby what well, would make you feel better right and give it to yeah. yourself and there are some quick practices as well that I can give that really help One, which I mean it's an ancient ancient meditation practice called wide eye mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is basically you're looking at something ahead of you and you open up your peripheral vision so mm-hmm. that you can see as much as possible of the whole environment that is anti-focus mm-hmm. which means you cannot be in danger, so you can kind of force hack these more calm central nervous systems. I'm always slightly reluctant to just kind of give the techniques out willy nilly, even though they're you know they're they're available in the world. Because what I wouldn't want is for somebody to be in a in a heightened state of activation and to kind of try and hack their way out of that without exactly. any self acceptance exactly. or I used anything. I that because a lot. That would Just keep them out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think we all have to be yeah, yeah as well. Like, oh, um, now I have this technique. One.
0: I never have to feel uncomfortable emotions again. <laughs> I always
1: have an yeah. So an that exit puts route. you right back into fixing it. Like I right. fixed right. the issue, so yeah. therefore, yeah. and and of course, you're not fully you're not fully recovering. Another one is to um, it's called the space between. Well, I call it the space between that I learned actually from uh, Melissa Tier, and it's uh, she did mention who it was from, but I can't remember the name. So of, you look at your hand and you focus on the space between your fingers. So again, you are unfocusing. Focus, like we're doing now, talking to each other, either auditory or visual, but there's primacy of vision for people who are blind. The auditory or the the touch senses largely take over this. But focus on something like focusing on your computer or focusing on copy. Any kind of very close focus is a trigger to our brain that we need to be alert. That can be a hack to become alert if you're not feeling it, mm. but it is also something to be aware of if you're too alert or if you're reaching a point of activation that isn't helpful for you. Yeah. Um, oh, I've got a bucket load. I also have loads of books that I can recommend that I will give to you, and you can you can stick in the in the, um, the yeah. Show notes. I will do
0: that. There's so I mean, Sally and I could keep going for like five months about all of this. And we we won't because we can't through this particular medium. (laughs) However, there's so much to take away from this podcast. But but really, if I could leave you with one nugget, it would be please be treat yourself yourself. Um, when you, when you think about tending to your own body, embodying you know, emotions, nurturing yourself, providing that that sort of that that safe post for yourself to keep returning to, you know, don't be too intelligent about it. Like, right? don't bring your mm. enlightened life coachy right uh, self armed with your coaching theories and all the. Rather, be more primal about it. What if you treated yourself like like I just said, like like a baby right? Like if you had a small child, right, you wouldn't throw life coaching concepts at her, you know, you wouldn't throw thought work at her, you wouldn't throw shoulds at her, you wouldn't tell her to do this meditation for 90 minutes, you know, you would let her cry if she wants to, you would say, Hey, you want to go get some ice cream? Hey, you want to take a nap? Hey, you want to play with a dog? Right? Like, please, like, I think we all try to be too smart because we are so smart. Like our prefrontal cortexes are so cortexes. I don't know. We're so overdeveloped. We are incredibly intelligent people and that could become such a just not helpful. Right. And so you, you can use all of that. You can deploy all of that to great effect when you are out there strategizing, making amazing things happen, you know, coaching your clients, all the sharpness in the world. But then when you're taking care of your body, when you're taking care of your nervous system, let's all be more primitive. Let's treat ourselves Mm. like, like small children in the best way. Right. And that's how we begin to build that, that, that friendship with our bodies, how we begin to, you know, create awareness of what's actually happening there that we don't get to see when we're, shoulding all over ourselves with our armored, with our expertise and armored with our, you know, our yeah. grand designs for ourselves. Right. So that's kind of what I would love for people to take away. What about you? Just one nugget. It's like impossible. Trust. It's like, okay. Gotta- I think
1: it's just, it's, tr- I mean, it's, it's trust, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's one little word that is, that can seem incredibly difficult, but Asking the right questions and listening to the answer is the very, very first step to that radical self-acceptance, because it might not be what the world, what the culture wants you to do. But we all know that that was just, these were just rules created by, you know, some dude, God knows when. So going against them now or choosing you requires trust. What's your... And you're always right.
0: Love it. What's one of your favorite questions? One or two of your favorite questions that you ask yourself?
1: Why? Why is my favorite question of all time? Mm. It's like I'm so stressed. Oh why? Why?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then is this going to be important in the future? Mm. So because I think certainly for me, I, I'm ADD brain. I hyperfocus to great effect whenever I'm regulated, but whenever I become dysregulated that hyper-focus, it almost becomes like a sort of a stumbling block. Like I cannot focus on something else as opposed to I am able to hyper-focus on this. It's like to the exclusion of the rest of my life. Like I don't eat, I don't go to the toilet. The amount of times I've sat at the desk and I'm like, my bladder is actually going to burst if I don't do this, but I don't, I really don't want to go to the toilet because I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Right, right. That's, you know, that's the sign for me when I'm not taking care of myself. That's when the I'm sign f- for me. So why am I not taking care of myself? What could possibly be more important to my, and I think couching it in sort of primitive brain terms as well. What could possibly be more important to my survival mm. than taking care of my body and my brain
0: Yeah,
1: and ensuring I'm in unity?
0: Yeah. One of my favorites that I just want to share before we um, end the conversation is also very simple, like, one of one of my coaches taught me this and it's like, actually, I think the best coaching, Sally, I think is like the simplest, right? Like it's like the most childlike simple things. She said, why don't you put your hand on your heart and take a deep breath
1: and ask yourself,
0: hey, sweetie, what would help? Right? Mm. Hey, what do you need right
1: oh, now? Oh, I'm comforted just hearing that.
0: Right? And just... And I was like, it never occurred to me that I could speak to myself
1: like that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right, but it doesn't. And that's why our work is so important because (laughs) modern culture doesn't teach these things. It doesn't teach embodiment. It teaches the primacy of
0: thought. So there's, listen, there's two categories of experiences. One category of experience where you should write down a fucking model and do some thought work and figure that shit out. Another category of experiences, you should put your hand on your heart. (laughs) (laughs) take a deep breath and ask yourself sweetheart what what would help right so and and if you use one in the wrong context
1: like it's not gonna work <laughs> right? but you'll know you will know, know because it won't you know if you're if you're if you're trusting yourself it won't feel right like if you put your hand on your heart and you know what would help and your brain is going sort the fucking strategy out. excuse my yeah. language <laughs> then you know that you're oh, all right fine i need to kind of this is a thought work thing. Yeah. Because I've got the cognitive function to do it. Yeah. And if you're in a thought work model and you're, you're just fog, you're just, you cannot see through, you don't, you seem to be doing the same thing again, 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 repeating behavior, repeating thought patterns, mm-hmm. then, you know, come over to this side and both are strengths. Neither of these are uh, you know you're uh, it's just so awful oh, you're in touch with your feelings you're taking the easy road it's the absolute bollocks yeah it's it like... is a challenge to become authentic with your body and it is a hundred percent a million percent I don't know I'm a bit of a mass geek actually that just freaked me out saying a million percent mm-hmm. worth it it is totally worth it
0: and progress not perfection You know, you, it's not some, this is not work that you master overnight. It's not something you, you listen to this podcast, you go read a book about embodiment and you're like, all right, I should be an expert in this. It's like, it's like, it's like an entire lifelong process of be- befriending yourself getting to know your own body, and building truly a body of knowledge upon which you yeah. can relate to yourself with with love and skill and compassion. And so I'm working on this every day, I get better, incrementally better all the time. And If you have a little bit more knowledge about yourself than you did last month, if you have a a tiny bit more skill in this, in your moments of panic and anger and shame or whatever than you did last year, that's progress. Like That's all of us Mm -hmm. figuring it out. And I promise you, my dear listener, wherever you are on the journey, I promise you are far, far, far ahead of wherever your client is. Okay. And you have the skill to be able to help them no matter how imperfect you feel like in your own journey. Perfection is not required. We just have to, we have to show up willing to help, which we life coaches always are. And we just always have to be engaged in our own work and just
1: be like getting 1% better at it all the time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And marketing from that place of safety. I mean, that's, that's the uplift. When you're safe, when, when I'm safe and I put posts out, I yeah. get huge engagement. When I'm a bit wobbly and I put posts out, <laughs>
0: crickets. It's like such a, it's so interesting, right? It's such a perfect gauge. Mm. Like, oh, where am I? It's like, mm. you're calling me where I'm aligned and where I'm not. Okay. So I got to cut this conversation somewhere. So I'm going <laughs> to cut it here. <laughs> um, I I'll have you back at some point, but you know, you just can't keep going on and on. So thank you, Sally, so much for this brilliant conversation. If people want to explore working with you, where can they come find you?
1: I am I have a website which is sallyhardy.com, S-A-L-L-Y-H-A-R-D-I-E. I've got to spell that out because everybody gets it the other way around. <laughs> and Instagram is where I hang out. So I'm Sally Hardy underscore coach. Lots of resources on there if anybody wants to dig a little bit further into this.
0: Brilliant. Well, everybody go follow Hardy, hire Hardy, work with Hardy. Why am I calling you Hardy and not Sally? I don't know. (laughs) That's Um, fine. Most people
1: do, which is really odd.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? That's so funny. Okay, Hardy. We'll talk to you later, Hardy. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you
1: so much, Simone. It's been a blast.